Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another live edition of Rabbit Hole Radio. It is December 17th, 2022. Exciting, exciting, exciting. Already halfway through December. First of all, where did December go? Where did November go? Blink, and they're both just... Seems like time is moving much faster these days. That's a whole separate broadcast, though. Earth changes, time speeding up, things like that. Separate broadcast. So what are we talking about tonight? Because I have to get right into it. Otherwise, I'll get off on a side tangent. The title of the show says the U.S. government admits that geoengineering is real. They what? They admitted that. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, they did. So for those of you that are just catching up to the truth community, so to speak, for those of you just waking up to this, the idea of chemtrails, the idea of the idea of geoengineering has been around for a long time. People have been talking about geoengineering and chemtrails for a very long time. People have been exposing this and discussing the idea of geoengineering and chemtrails for a very long time. The problem is those people have been made fun of. They've been picked on. They've been badgered. There's been documentaries put out about it. 
myself and many others have put videos up on YouTube for years. In fact, I'm going to show you some videos tonight that I shot in 2011, 11 years ago. And you can see the difference between a chemtrailed sky and a non-chemtrailed sky. Now that word chemtrails, very, very negative connotations attached to it. Oh, you're one of those crazy conspiracy tards, huh? Thanks to the government spraying stuff in the sky. <laughs> you people are crazy. Except the White House admitted in November, very quietly, that, yeah, they want to block the sun. Global dimming. Now, they didn't call it that, but that's what it's been referred to in research circles for years. The idea of global dimming. Now, it's funny. Because going back to even before 2010, going back into 2005, 2006, there were people putting videos up on YouTube or Google Video going all the way back in the day and other video sharing websites that were around at the time ex exposing what they were calling chemtrails. Exposing what we've all referred to as chemtrails over the years. These long trails that f come behind a jet while it's flying. Oh, those are contrails, Popeye. No, no, no. Contrails are ice crystals. And that stuff usually dissipates within 30 seconds to a minute. When you see a, a line in the sky for 15 or 20 minutes and it starts to expand out slowly and you can watch it over the course of time, just set up a time-lapse camera and you'll see that wispy line turn into this big, fat, big, fat, fat, wide line with... This wispy cloud-like appearance. And then suddenly, they after a while, they're gone. But the whole sky is now like got this weird gray haze to it. The sun seems to be behind that haze, almost like it's blocked out. Well, that's what this is. It's been going on a long time, except now they admit it. 12 years ago, you were a crazy, kooky conspiracy nut. If you talked about geoengineering, you don't know what you're talking about. You people are dumb, sitting in your mom's basements with your tinfoil hats on. Dumb, 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 ha, 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 conspiracy retards. Except, oh, we're not. Oh, it's the truth. That seems to be happening a lot lately where your friend, the conspiracy theorist, is being proven right over and over and over again. Gee, that's odd. That's strange, isn't it? That your conspiracy theory friend seems to be being proven right consistently. So what I'm going to do tonight is I'm going to show you what I just talked about, the White House. I'm going to show you the evidence about the White House in case you didn't see it because they, they quietly came out with this. And there's so many other things going on. The FTX scandal, uh, the murders in Idaho, those four college students. And all this other stuff that's going on, that little admission by the mainstream media in the White House kind of just went whoo, under the radar. Nobody really noticed it. But they've admitted back in the end of November, they, they, they wanna, they're going to look into perhaps spraying stuff in the sky to block sunlight out. And of course, the mainstream media that did pick up on it was like, oh, they're going to experiment. Oh, this is an interesting idea. This is, you know, that they've been talking about doing this. Maybe we can do this. 
No, they've been actively experimenting with this since at least, at the very least, the early to mid 2000s. I mean, it's 2022. And I'm going to show you video again. And I shot 11 years ago when I was living in Miami. 11 years ago. And at that point, it was already an open, talked about thing in research circles, in the alternative media. The mainstream media, they would interview somebody. They would always find, um, let's say, I don't want to say the craziest person, but the craziest looking or craziest sounding person that they could. And they would always interview them on live television. And that person would always seem non-credible. They'd make fun of them. And that would be that. All these crazy conspiracy people think chemtrails are real, except geoengineering is real. I did a broadcast a few months ago about how Hurricane Ian could have been stopped. And I showed how going back into the 60s and Project Popeye, which became Operation Popeye, was the government seeding clouds and extending monsoon season in Vietnam by over six weeks. Help washed out the Ho Chi Minh Trail. They dropped more ordnance on the Ho Chi Minh Trail during the Vietnam War than they did in all of Europe during World War II. And they still couldn't stop the North Vietnamese in their ox carts. So then they engineered the weather and they washed bridges out. They washed roads out. I've shown multiple examples over the years of how they do geoengineering. I've discussed everything, like I said, from prop, uh, Project and Operation Popeye to um, what HARP has done, what they can do with HARP, and, and who knows what the abilities of some of the other stations that we don't know about now. I'm, I'm sure they've shrunk it down and, and made technology much smaller. So who knows? They could have it on a ship. They might be able to just keep it on one, one floating surface vessel. Who knows? There's a, there's a lot of interesting things that are floating around that our military and our, our government has that we don't know. Geoengineering is a real thing. You know, I've talked about how they used it to stop Hurricane Aaron, and I just saw that in the chat there on YouTube that Hurricane Aaron was mentioned. That is correct. I did a whole movie about Hurricane Aaron. I put a whole documentary together about it about 11, 12 years ago about how, and it's, it's actually here on Rumble. If, you, if you're listening to the Rumble chat or if you're listening to the, the Rumble live stream, um, if you go to the Rumble channel, you can actually go see the Hurricane Aaron documentary because it got yeeted by YouTube and copyright striked and everything else. But it's on the Rumble channel, Rabbit Hole Radio over on Rumble. And it's titled Hurricane Aaron, the Category 3 hurricane that should have stopped 9-11 from happening. And you'll see Category 3 hurricanes headed right for New York on the morning of 9-11. Suddenly a front comes in and bounces it away. Like a pinball. Boop. Right out. And the news media, they didn't cover the news media coverage between Hurricane Aaron 
and all these other hurricanes that have hit that area either before or after. And I, I showed that in this documentary that I put together. I showed the you know, going back to Hurricane Gloria in the 80s all the way up to Superstorm Super Storm Sandy in 2012. So you have this huge drastic time period and 9-11 kind of sits right in the middle there. And before and after, they were, oh, my God, a hurricane's going to hit up here. We're not built for this. But on the morning of 9-11, it was like, oh, it's super calm outside. That hurricane, that hurricane's going to go away. Well, how do you know that hurricane's going to go away? How can you be so flippant about a, a Category 3 hurricane bearing down on New York City? So go watch that documentary. Thank you, Johnny, in the chat for uh, bringing that up. It's a very good point. And uh, he also mentioned, uh, I see that he had also mentioned Vietnam. Yes, and that, like I said, goes back to Project and then Operation Popeye. Project, when, when it's titled Project, that's when they're experimenting with it. And then when it becomes a full military-grade operation, that's when they'll change the title from Project to Operation. Because I've had people ask me, well, I've heard it's called Project Popeye, or I've heard it's called Operation Popeye. It was called both. The project part is the experimental phase. The operation is when it goes from experimental to full-on military. So that's that's the differentiation between the two. So let me bring up the screen here. I want to show you. I Googled here, very simple Google search. White House wants to block the sun. And look what comes up. Daily Beast, CNBC, Fox News, Yahoo News, Fox 13 which is the, the Tampa Bay Fox affiliate down in Tampa, Florida, whitehouse.gov, all of these different Euro news, futurism.com. They're talking about geoengineering. Now, this is if, if you had Googled this 10 years ago, you would have, first of all, if you found any links, they would have been alternative media links. And then the news media, the mainstream media would have said, it doesn't even exist. It doesn't exist, except... Except CNBC White House is pushing ahead research to cool Earth by reflecting back sunlight. Wait, what? October 13th, 2022. Wait, what? What? There are several kinds of sunlight reflection technology being considered, including stratospheric aerosol injection. Marine cloud brightening. And serious cloud thinning. How, how would you thin out a cirrus cloud? How, how would you thin out a cloud? How would you, would you spray desiccant into it? Oh, yeah. Well, I, I think they've done that. If you notice before, sometimes before a big storm hits or when there's a big drought going on, you, you can look at the satellite imagery and you'll see little crisscross lines brings, being sprayed out ahead of a front. What they're doing in that instance, and then you'll see the, the front kind of dissipate and go away. It's because they're spraying desiccant into the sky. They're literally drying out the air so the storm can't form. Oh, they're, they're admitting it right here. Cirrus cloud thinning. What do you think thins out clouds? Because clouds are made of what? Water vapor. Well, how do you thin out a cloud made of water vapor? Desiccant. Oh, I guess the conspiracy theorists weren't crazy after all, huh? I mean, they're openly talking about this on CNBC. Stratospheric aerosol injection. Well, the, that sounds very technical, Popeye. No, it's flying a plane and spraying whatever you're going to spray out into the atmosphere as you're flying through it. 
uh, sounds an awful lot like what we've been referring to as chemtrails. Interesting. Very interesting. So again, if you go on, and this is live, ladies and gentlemen, we're live right now. So if you're watching this, you can right along with me, just go to Google or whatever search engine you want to use. Doesn't matter. I, I used the New World Order one just to prove that even Google, who censors stuff, is openly showing you these links. Okay. But this is right from the CNBC website. Just go to, that's why I left the Google search up here. Go over to google.com. Okay. Type in White House wants to block the sun. Real simple. And it'll bring up just the links that I'm showing right now in case anybody wants to see, you know, verify that I didn't like copy and paste or Photoshop anything. No, this is we're live. And this is me literally bringing up these live links to you while we're talking. So go to Google, type in the search bar. White House wants to block the sun and you'll see these links. And here's CNBC. White House is pushing ahead research to cool Earth by reflecting back sunlight. Oh, let's go to the Daily Beast. Some people like this website. It's garbage, but whatever. Some people like this website. The White House admits it. We might want to block the sun to stop climate change. It's like airbags in your car. You never want to use them, but you'll be glad you had them when you do. No, geoengineering is not like the airbags in your car. That is the absolute crappiest, crappiest, just most horrid comparison you could make. That is stupid. This is preying upon people being dumb. This is, I mean, this is dumb. That, that's the dumbest, this is how they, this is how stupid they think you are. Because they think that that quote, and there are people that'll, oh, that sounds like a good idea. Well, unfortunately, there are people that have been dumbed down. We can try to wake them up. Humanity can wake up. You saw it with, you saw it with the dreaded jibby jab and the 19 COVIDs, right? You saw that. You saw what happened with the pandemic. There were a lot of people that weren't awake that did wake up and go, hey, wait a minute. This is this sounds a lot like tyranny. What do you mean you want to take away my freedom to stop a, a bug? That doesn't make any sense. Ah, huh. well, people are waking up to the truth. So there are smart people out there, but this is how stupid they think you are. It's like the airbags in your car. You never want to use them, but you'll be glad you had them when you do. No, you won't be glad you had geoengineering. Do I think it'd be cool if we could control the weather uh, and stop hurricanes from hitting? Yes, I talked about that. Again, during that broadcast I did a couple months back about geoengineering and controlling the weather. Do I think it'd be awesome if we could stop that? Yeah, it'd be great. But we have to stop. Like This is a an experiment that's going on, an open air experiment. So here's this. Now I want to play this other clip because I want to get into the, I got a bunch of stuff and I don't want to run out of time. So I'm going to play this, this audio here in this video. This is Fox 13 in Tampa Bay. And watch how they try to act like, oh, well, they're going to, they're going to do it. But they're, the, the, the anchor actually very intelligently says, oh, but wait a minute, if they're going to experiment, if they're going to do it, wouldn't that mean they have to actually do it like sprayed into the atmosphere and their their weather guys like oh well you know they're going to look into it for a few years they're actually not going to do it no newsflash they're already doing it but here here's the mainstream admitting to you that they're doing it stopping climate change no now the white house says blocking the sun might be the answer but what would mm. that look like this is <laughs> interesting <laughs> Boy, take I it 
I tell you, when I first started reading this article, it was like I just started diving in and then it was like offshoot articles and this and that. So let's talk about this. On October 13th, the White House announced it was funding a five year research plan with about uh, something called geoengineering, specifically solar radiation management to artificially modify the Earth's climate. This comes off some studies back in the 1800s. Bear with me here. In 1816, in April, Mm -hmm. the Tambora volcano erupted in Indonesia with such force Mm -hmm. that it resulted in something called the year without the summer. I'm not sure if you've ever heard that term before. No, I haven't. Back in 1816, the year without a summer, because after that volcanic eruption, the temperature of the earth dropped 5.4 degrees. Okay. Yeah. And there was a lot of loss of life. There was a lot of loss of crops and everything. But moving forward, what scientists did, they started to measure this and they said, wait a minute. So the particulates in the aerosols from volcanoes Mm -hmm. actually blotted out the sun. So that's where this study is coming from. What they want to do (laughs) is basically block out the sun with by spraying aerosols into the stratosphere to reflect sunlight, just as, say, a volcano would do if a volcano was to erupt violently. So the United Nations is on board. They've recognized the potential of this. But there are so many critics that also say, wait a minute, time out. You could cause even more of a problem by experimenting with this. Seems like you've got a question. Go ahead. No, my, my question is, how do you study this okay. without doing it? So here, here's the way. It, it, they didn't go too much into the article about this except for this. Here's what's going to happen. And it, they'll start in a laboratory, obviously a laboratory. Uh, okay. I just have to pause it for a second and say he's got a – that's a, a perfect point. And you're going to hear their, their weather guy making excuses. Well, they're going to start off in a laboratory. No, the laboratory – is the environment, is the atmosphere. We are the experiment. Stop deluding yourselves. Sulfur dioxide, other particulates, things that come out of volcanoes, they're going to take those and they're going to try to find a way to block some of the sunlight out gets, and push it back out into space. Once they can do that in a controlled laboratory, my, I would expect them to try it somewhere on this earth away from everybody just to kind of see what it's doing to the reflect. You can't screw with the atmosphere and the weather and have it not affect everybody. Even if you messed with something out over the middle of the ocean where there nobody was, eventually those clouds are going to move. That weather is going to move. And anything that you do, we are in a closed biosphere. You start screwing with that enclosed biosphere. Whatever you do is going to have an effect worldwide. But no. This guy's telling you, don't worry, they'll go someplace where it won't have an effect on you. This goes to show you that this science, you know, I know he's a meteorologist, but they're they're science guy. He doesn't know what he's talking about. And if he does, he doesn't want to talk about it. It's either one of the two. Both are dangerous when discussing something that's actually going on. Activity of the sunshine. To be honest with you, though, here are some of the potential problems you could have. What if it works? And you have a button and you can press these aerosols to come and go. What if you dip the temperatures too low? Things die. What if it intensifies weather events, an unforeseen consequence? There's so many different things. Also, geoengineering, they've shown on studies, 
it also helps spread diseases. So there are a potential, a lot of... Now, does he mean because it can change the weather and affect bacteria growth and germ growth and virus growth? Or does he mean that they can spray diseases out of those nozzles into the atmosphere and have those particulates rain down? Because that's been one of the things that chemtrail activists have been worried about for a very long time. And he just said, well, but one of the problems is they could spread diseases. And he's not very clear on what he means by that. But either way, they could screw with diseases and cause problems. They could cause famine. They could cause loss of crops. Hmm, it's almost like you could play God. Negative impacts to putting these aerosols up in the stratosphere. But here's my attitude. Five years of research. Let's get the pluses. Let's get the minuses yeah. and then move forward if we can or just scrap it. You know what I mean? Let's, if it's not going straight out there. They're going right. to research this for five years. They're going to figure this out. And what they're saying is, is that they aim to answer all the questions that you would have or I would have pluses okay. and minuses before anything happens from there. Okay. But it's a start. It's a study. Okay. I think it's putting a Band-Aid on a bigger problem, but... We'll talk about it in five years. All right. All right. We'll talk about it in five years when we've totally destroyed the atmosphere. It's fine. We'll talk about it in five years. Don't worry about it right now. We'll just, we'll talk about it in five years. Yeah, that's great. All right. So let's go because for time purposes, I got to squeeze these videos in and, and then I want to, I have a longer uh, documentary about this. I'm going to be playing for y'all. So I'm going to play two video clips really quick. One of them is me in uh it's the first video and it, it, it there's wind and background noise and stuff but you you guys need to see these videos so this is from june 6th of 2011 and this was shot in miami and this is me shooting this and narrating there's a little bit of wind in the background so you know i was using a camera it was windy it's old school camera but and I want you to see this. I'm just going to play a little bit of this so you can you can see this video. And then I'm going to bring up the other one where it compares this video and it compares uh, this video to the one I shot a couple days later. And you can see it says chemtrails versus no chemtrail. So here's here's the uh, the, the first one. This is from June 6th, 2011. It is Monday, June 6, 2011. And they sprayed the living shit out of Miami again. Normally, look, today is one of those days where there's not a cloud in the sky down here, except for the shit that they just sprayed. You can see, look at the halo around the sun from the chemicals and, and shit in the sky where they sprayed. That's not normal. Look at the halo. You can't see it. I'll use my finger. Look, right here. Ooh, look at that. It's all the way around. Look, yeah. And the sky was blue this morning. There was nothing out here. And I was getting dressed a little while ago, and a friend of mine said to me, hey, grab your camera when you go out. 
and check the sky out because it was nice this morning and they sprayed. And look, just as I'm recording, look at this. Like I said, look at the sky. They are spraying the crap out of the sky. Look. There's my finger again. It's a very tip of my finger right here. There's a little white line. There's a chemtrail. Look, look at the sky. You'd have to be a retarded monkey to not notice that something is wrong. So when the mainstream media tells you, oh, ha, 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 oh, this professor says that it could never happen, ha, 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 they're full of shit. Obviously, they're not looking up too busy looking in the mirror at themselves. Look at it. Well, I came out here, this guy was spraying. Contrails don't do that. Look at that. Contrails are ice crystals, ladies and gentlemen. Does, does that look like an ice crystal there? Does that look like a, a trail of ice crystals to you? No, it does not. You can see it's thick and it's just hanging there. Now they're openly admitting now, 11 years later, that they do that. They're looking into spraying particulates or what do they, they call it? Aerosol injection. What do you think you just saw? Now, this is again, Ken, look, the title of the video, Chemtrails over Miami, 6-6-2011. Now, a couple days later, I shot a second video and it's titled Chemtrails versus No Chemtrails. I'm going to play this whole thing. And what you're going to do is you're going to see this is the same month. It was just a few days later. The video on the left is the video I just played you. The video, and there was the video is like 10 minutes long. So you're, you're going to see that video compared to a second video I shot. Now the audio you're going to hear on this video I'm about to play you is me talking in the second video. And as I'm talking, you can see the video that I'm shooting as I'm talking on the right. And the video that's going to be on the left side of the screen is the video that I just played for you from a few days before. And you can see the difference between a chemtrail day and a non-chemtrail day in the same exact location in Miami, just a few days apart.
Okay guys, I'm shooting this video to show you what the sky normally looks like down here in South Florida. <clears throat> I'm going to put it next to the video I shot the other day where the sky was filled with chemtrails and you could see the one plane laying the chemtrails. The landscapers are here, so that's the noise you hear in the background. They're over there. But uh, if you look, you can see how blue the sky is down here and how clear it is down here. There's no mountains. Florida's flat. And you can see just how much sky we normally see down here and what it looks like down here. And if you look by the sun, you'll notice there's no halo. There's no halo effect, none of that crap. You'll notice there is not none of that because there's nothing for the sun's light to bounce off of in the upper atmosphere there to create the halo effect above us. See? This is what the sky naturally looks like before they spray the crap out of it. And again, you're seeing the same shots I'm shooting the same area that I shot the other day you can see exactly how blue and crystal clear the sky is supposed to be and how it normally looks down here and then I'm going to put this side by side with the video I shot the other day. And you'll be able to tell. You can see there's no halo. Again, there's no halo around the sun. It's just the sun. No halo. No chemtrails in the sky. No planes flying overhead, chemtrailing the sky. No. If I, this is about the angle from, <clears throat> I was catching the guy, you know, from my viewpoint, it was between this building and this building. And you can see there's not there, there's planes flying overhead by the way there's there is planes flying over us we are very close to uh miami international airport and fort lauderdale international airport so there's air traffic flying over us constantly yet i don't see any chemtrails you know so again this is what south florida naturally looks like and I'm going to compare it to the video I shot the other day, and you'll be able to see. I'll have it on the left side, and this video will be on the right side, and you'll be able to see exactly what I'm talking about, the drastic difference between the two.
All right, so that's that. Let me bring up. Let me bring up the other video now. This is my old. <laughs> well, back in the day, you can tell how long ago this was when I made this video. Um, let me close this out real quick and bring that back up. So you can see the difference there. You can see the difference between no chemtrails and chemtrails, right? You've, you've got a good idea now. If you aren't familiar, if you are familiar, if you're listening for a long time, then you already know. But I, for time constraints, I have to get into the last piece of video to be able to fit it in for the show. So what I'm going to play for everybody is the actual documentary, What in the World Are They Spraying? by Paul Wittenberger and a very good friend of mine. And unfortunately, Michael J. Murphy is not with us anymore. We lost him a few years back. But him, Barry Kalski, and Paul Wittenberger got together and they came up with two documentaries. The first one was What in the World Are They Spraying? And the second one is Why in the World Are They Spraying? And when I saw this, uh, when I saw the, the mainstream media discussing the White House and their plan for um, dimming the planet, for global dimming, or it, when I saw them admit to it, the, my first thought was, wow, how many people have not seen Michael's films? So I would be remiss in my duties if I didn't air this for you and play this for you so you could hear and see if you're watching the video feeds, not just the audio feeds, but if you're watching it, you'll be able to see the documentary. Now, again, this was shot in 2010, so 12 years ago. And watch how they refer. Watch, he goes, you'll see, he goes to the Capitol and he tries talking to lawmakers about geoengineering and they blow him off like he's crazy, like he's a crazy, kooky conspiracy theorist. You'll see, they, they he lays it out really well in here. But... I want to get into it. So here we go. This is what in the world are they spraying? One of the best documentaries out there to date about chemtrails and geoengineering. I suggest that you pay attention and I will be in a future date uh, playing part two. Why? Because geoengineering is an ongoing topic of discussion. But anyway, here we go. What in the world are they spraying? This is for you, Mike, wherever you are. substance found by a southwest arkansas man be part of a government test 
Well, that's the question at the heart of a phenomenon called chemtrails, now getting widespread attention. Well, they say the government is dumping chemicals on us to control or manipulate the weather. And they say the unusual-looking jet trails in the sky are actually chemical-laden chemtrails. People say the government is up there in airplanes spraying all kinds of chemicals to change or manipulate the weather, leaving what you see there, and they call that a chemtrail. So when I look up there and I think are contrails, you're telling me are chemtrails. Yes, yeah, that a contrail would be dissipated by now. And it's interesting, Dale and Christina, this is of interest not just in this country, but uh, European countries and frankly all over the world. A lot of folks interested in it. Well, Dave, you mentioned that climatologists and others who study the atmosphere believe that they'd be able to surely spot any kind of signs of an ominous plot. Her journey started in San Diego, California, where thousands of scientists, engineers, policymakers, and journalists gathered for the American Association for the Advancement of Science Conference. One of the topics was the artificial manipulation of the Earth's climate, also called geoengineering. During the meeting, scientists spoke about the plausibility of implementing geoengineering campaigns throughout the world under the guise of preventing global warming. One widely accepted theory was to block the sun by spraying something into the atmosphere. When they were asked about existing aerosol programs, they stated clearly that no such programs have ever been implemented. But strangely, these proposals sounded exactly like what people around the world are claiming is already happening. And I found out that the American Association for the Advancement of Science was going to be held down here and the main body of uh, topics would be on geoengineering. I had to come. I, I had to be in on this. I had to hear what these top climate change scientists had to say. Uh, and that's the other question about you know, chemtrails and whether geoengineering is being worried right now about Chemtrails. On the internet, they are cited as proof of the government creating clouds to combat global warming. They claim the American government, with the secret approval of the national government, is covertly using jet aircraft to spray population centers with aluminium, with barium, and with strontium, so as to reduce people's humidity and reduce the global population. I'm always a little bit suspicious because the government doesn't seem that um, capable to do something on such a large scale. You know? That is not rain, that is not snow. Believe it or not, military aircraft flying through the region dropping chaff. Small bits of aluminum, sometimes it's made of plastic or uh, even uh, telesized paper products. But it's used as an anti-radar issue and obviously they're up there practicing. Now they won't confirm that, but I was in the Marine Corps for many years and I'll tell you right now, that's what it is. What happens here? Military Jets don't come out of Key West Air Force Base and they move off into the atmosphere and they drop my large strips. Some could be a little wider, some are small glass fibers that are coated in aluminum. And what the Air Force does is they take their military jets and they dump these out of the aircraft, they fall into the atmosphere, and some take as much to a day to fall down. This is inevitably military or something going on. The government, the Air Force, you see this kind of a pattern like this. You can rest assured there's something going on. They're actually little bitty magnetic and little bitty strips of whether it's aluminum. Well, it's a nuisance to you and I to determine what's real and what's not, but it looks like it is a life-saving operation there from the military. The apparent motive behind this conspiracy theory is one world government. Oh. 
Order, order, I cannot hear. Mr Speaker, I want to assure the House that both my Ministry and my colleague, the Minister of Health, who have received correspondence on this issue, that this conspiracy theory does not have an iota of truth and that the trails observed from aircraft simply come from jet engines. <laughs> number nine of order. And I think what an appalling example it is of the new foreign affairs spokesperson for the Labour Party that she's spreading conspiracy order. theories order. about the United order. States government. The House has heard sufficient. It is called geoengineering, fighting global warming by putting a chemical dust in the atmosphere and reflecting harmful radiation back into space. We take geoengineering to mean deliberate, large-scale intervention in the Earth's system. There are a variety of schemes that have been discussed for geoengineering. A classic example is uh, injecting reflecting particles into Earth orbit. Nevertheless, there might be some good reasons to think about alumina. It turns out, first of all, there's been a lot of work on the environmental consequences of alumina in the stratosphere. The big deal really is that alumina has four times the volumetric rate of forcing it for small particles, as does sulfur. And that means you have four times the surface area for the same rate of forcing. And this is a much bigger deal. You have roughly 16 times less the coagulation rate. And that's the thing that really drives removal. So you could get away, we think, with much smaller mass fluxes. So that's why we see things like in the uh, use, use aircraft patent from 89, they talk about aluminum. And that's why we're seeing in the surface water samples aluminum. And here's David Keith saying uh, that aluminum has four times the reflective uh, volume surface area. So they'd like us to think that we're talking about sulfur. But here they slipped up and let it out that uh, aluminum is four times better to achieving their ends. And it sounds like it's kind of the one they don't want us to know the effects of. Mm. The little picture is from a nanofabrication study, which shows you can make very high quality and do this in just a jet in a very simple way, make high quality alumina particles just by spraying alumina vapor out, which oxidizes. So it's certainly in principle possible to do that. There's a big literature that's already looked at that. And you could do that by either building new versions of these aircraft or even re-engineering existing aircraft. So there's some ideas of that. So you go to an engineering firm and you want this done. They don't say this is hard or unusual. They say, okay, yes, we could do it. Aerosol geoengineering looks like it is so cheap that the cost is basically not going to be an issue. That means that implementation decisions will be risk-to-risk -risk decisions. The risk of doing it against the risk of not doing it. And it makes the problem of how we govern it fundamentally harder and different and normal. So I've told you this, cheap to deliver materials to stratosphere, and I'm convinced that's true. I don't think that will change. But I think the more we do research, the less easy this will look, the more complicated the environmental effects will look. And that's a good thing, because right now it looks too easy. So I think that if we do more research, we're likely to find out that it's harder and more complicated than we thought, and that the side effects are harder to manage. And that's a healthy outcome that will make it easier to do the management. Of course, the opposite reaction is possible. It's an empirical question how people will actually react to knowledge about this. Another reaction is to say, if these crazy scientists are so concerned about putting CO2 in the atmosphere, they want to think about these things, then that might actually mean we should be more serious about the risks of CO2 in the atmosphere. And by the way, it's not really a moral hazard. It's more like free riding on our grandkids. And by the way, it's not really a moral hazard. It's more like free riding on our grandkids. Um, numerous air quality studies, uh, including from uh, CARB, California Air Quality Resource Board, have named submicron sized particulates as being particularly harmful for human respiration. Through all the discussions today, 
uh, I have not heard any mention of this fallout and has, has this been studied and also the effects of a highly reactive metal like aluminum on toxifying soils and waters? The question is what would be the effects of these materials on human health if they came down into the stratosphere, in, uh, in, in particular uh, small particles and aluminum? So, so the, the collaborators of mine working on the aerosol scheme are actually folks from Carnegie Mellon who focused on human health impacts. And while we haven't published it, that was the very first thing we did, was do the order of magnitude calculation in level pencil and paper, but with an expert on human health impacts about whether there could be an issue. And, and for aluminum or other particles, there are a lot of toxicological things that need to get looked at seriously. But if you're just thinking about the sheer number of particles and the human health impact of small particles, the answer is, well, we haven't published it. That was the first thing we looked at with some of the leading experts who do uh, epidemiological research on human health impacts, and it's not even close to being an issue. So 10 megatons of aluminum dumped into the, the uh, atmosphere will have no human health impacts. So, so let me be more careful here. We're to separate out the toxicological. So the alumina, we've only begun to research and published nothing. The alumina, we've only begun to research and published nothing. Dane looked at him and he said, so you're telling me that spraying 10 to 20 megatons of aluminum, as you said, would have no human health effects? He took a deep breath and he swallowed and he said, let me be more careful here. We haven't done anything serious on alumina and so there could be something terrible that we'll find tomorrow we haven't looked at. And that for me, that was the whole main point of, of what is, is going to be coming out to the public. It's, it's the damaging effects of aluminum that are being found around the world in massive amounts. Here's David Keith confronted on this very issue. And he, he looked, you know, at that point, like, like they just let the cat out of the bag. Mm -hmm. We haven't done anything serious on alumina. And so there could be something terrible that we'll find tomorrow we haven't looked at. They're proceeding because they have an agenda that's separate from trying to thwart this crisis of global warming. You know, there's, there's obviously several other objectives, whether it's depopulation, control, uh, weapons aspects, communications aspects, all kinds of things, you know, wild cards that we know nothing about. We don't really know, and I'm not going to attempt to speculate on exactly what the agendas are, but we can see clearly they're not, uh, they're not, the agendas are not benefiting mankind. You know, it's benefiting the agenda of the elite. And so I think the question is how do you draw the line between some activity uh, that is allowed and doesn't need global governance and activities that do require global governance. Dr. John Holdren has agreed to serve as assistant to the president for science and technology and director of the White House Office of Science and Technology Policy. I look forward to his wise counsel in the years ahead. My personal opinion is that we have to keep geoengineering on the table. We have to look at it very carefully because we might get desperate enough to want to use it. So what would we do if in year 2040 or 2060 there's a severe climate crisis, say widespread famines or Greenland sliding suddenly into the ocean, that the only plausible way in which we could start the earth cooling this century is to directly intervene in the climate system, say, by putting particles in the stratosphere. We do stuff in the stratosphere all the time, of course, and so it's not as though the stratosphere is absolutely pristine. But you don't want 
to have people going off and doing things that involve large radiative forcings or go on for extended periods or for that matter provide lots of reactive surfaces that could uh, result in significant ozone destruction. You know, maybe I'm putting a particle into the atmosphere because I'm trying to make money or maybe I'm putting a particle into the atmosphere because I'm engaging in scientific research and trying to understand cloud physics or maybe I'm putting this particle into the atmosphere because I'm trying to make it rain uh, locally uh, to, to see the cloud and get more snow on our ski slopes. And this obviously raises all kinds of questions. It's hugely risky. Uh, it will likely negatively impact some people, but we might find ourselves in a situation where those risks seem worth taking. One of the things that really shocked me was uh, in, one, in one of the breakouts, they had the benefits of these programs and then the risks. Now the benefits, the one thing that was stated was the uh, just cooling the planet. You know, some of the risks were ozone depletion, um, droughts in Africa and Asia. I gotta tell you, uh, I came away from this experience after listening to these scientists for four days, four days of symposiums, really concerned because it's clear now that they are justifying, rationalizing, and looking to uh, legitimize some really, really horrible impacts, further impacts on our environment. And they're basically formulating the sales strategy and the implementation and oversight strategy and the funding strategy. After San Diego, I was shocked by the programs that had been proposed. I decided to write about it. That night when I finished, I sent the article to an online publication with my email address attached. When I woke up the next morning, my inbox was flooded with responses from around the world. Why? Because I had just broken the story on aluminum in geoengineering models, which I had no clue at the time that very few people knew about. Now this metal, aluminum, is being found in massive quantities way above normal levels all over in rain and soil and in snow. After that, the calls started pouring in from people who were desperate for someone to investigate. That was the fuel that started the film. Before we started filming, we had the opportunity to sit down with one of our favorite authors and documentarians, G. Edward Griffin, to find out what he knew about the subject. I'd like to talk uh, for a minute about an issue that's getting more and more attention. That's the issue which scientifically is called stratospheric aerosol geoengineering, also called the chemtrail issue. I'm very aware of the chemtrail versus contrail controversy. As far as I'm concerned, it's an open and shut case. I have been watching the development of uh, jet travel from its very beginning. I used to live near the Los Angeles airport. Remember when the first jets came in and landed, man, they made a big noise. We never heard a noise like that before. And we used to go down and sit at the end of the runway and watch these jets come in and, and take off uh, because it was a novel experience. I've been watching jets all my life. And I know about jet contrails. I've watched them. They, they're vaporized uh, moisture, ice crystals, and they get out there in the atmosphere and then they uh, effervesce and evaporate and then disappear. And you can see them. The plane moves along and the little white trail follows right behind it and usually about 10 or 20 lengths of the plane or thereabouts and then it's gone. And you can still see them that way, by the way, once in a while. So there goes a contrail. These other things we're talking about are not at all the same phenomena at all. 
these planes go by and they billow out this white smoke and it covers the sky from horizon to horizon and doesn't dissipate at all. And they crisscross each other. And you see this thing cover the sky and turn it milky. And then people start having trouble breathing. And then you hear stories about the, the aluminum and barium deposits that they're picking up and the residue. And you put it all together. And I don't see how anybody who's got their eyes open and their mind open can come to any other conclusion but that somebody is spending a lot of money and effort to spray the planet. The question is, why? I have my own theories, but I hope that there will be some good investigative reporters go out there and get us the answer. I know that whenever it's finally discovered, and it will be, the people who are doing it will undoubtedly say, oh, well, we did it for you folks. It's for the greater good of the greater number. It's for the society. It's probably to prevent global warming, or maybe it's to inoculate people against some kind of a dreaded biological attack. We can't go around shooting everybody in the arm, but we can spray them and save their lives. You see how good we are? We're doing it for the benefit of society. I know they're going to, whatever it is, they're going to say it was for your good, but mine. Think of this. We had the ability to steer hurricanes, and the hurricane was going to slam into New Orleans. And let's say you could steer it so it would hit Mississippi instead. Where for a hundred, that means I would be willing to uh, more or less kill 18 Mississippians to say 1,800 New Orleanians. Uh, you know that uh, you know are and if you do that knowingly, are you murdering those hundred people? And there's all kinds of equity issues there. Now, also, we might be wrong about our steering, and and if we didn't. Do the research right maybe our steering would intensify katrina and even kill more people in in new orleans and so this question of how do you develop the confidence to know that your in intervention will reduce overall damage and then how do you deal with the understanding that you might be damaging some people who wouldn't have been damaged before while saving people overall the spraying appears to be mostly in NATO countries. I've seen it here in the United States. I've seen it in England. I've seen it in Scotland. Uh, I've seen it in Canada. And I've had reports uh, from people who live in France. There's a grouping. There's a political grouping here of some sort. It's international in scope. It's not just an American phenomenon. It's international. And um, anybody that wants to investigate that, I think, has to take that fact into consideration. They're going to find a political grouping and a political motive here. But in my humble opinion, it's not in your good or mine at all. I don't know what it is, but we'll soon find out. I'm sure that uh, if you follow the old advice, which is follow the money, you'll come to the answer sooner or later. Soon we realized that we all shared the same need to get this information out there, to share with the public, to let people know what is being done. Ed felt so passionately about the issue he offered to help us. Well, the main thing now, since it uh, looks like the budget is going to be met, uh, is to get it done well. We don't come off the tree knowing any answers at all. You know, we're not scientists. We're, not, we're just asking questions, exactly. And we've, and we've got to be very skeptical about the answers. That's. Uh, it's totally accurate, totally honest. Why can't people see this? They're not hearing it. They don't know that the facts are not being presented. We're very lucky, you know. Right?
look at this opportunity that's been dumped on us. <laughs> opportunity. It's well, this is gonna. Yes. It's going to be a battle. I know that challenge and a battle. But I mean, why are we here if it's not for that? I go to get home tomorrow, so it's going to be you for the moment. I'll call him again. Sounds good. I saw the sky crisscross with camp trails, and I don't. I can't remember if it was in L.A. or if I was on the road. But I had looked up one day, and I thought, "Look at that! That's not the flight path, man." That was a yeah. grid, a grid, a regular grid yeah. over the city, and milky, I couldn't milky, believe my eyes. Milky white clouds. And, you know, it all seems very obvious. And now the evidence of what we have on the ground with the aluminum, the barium, strontium, and with what we see in the patents and what the geoengineers say are going to happen. I mean, for the everyday Joe, this is a slam dunk. This is a very delicate moment for the powers that be because they're taking a covered-up operation like the tropospheric aerosol program or chemtrails, Project Acuras, whatever. It's had many names over the years. And they're making it over into a geoengineering scientific uh, shield to deflect sunlight because global warming's out of hand. So at this very moment, the belly of the beast is right above us with no armor. Whether people believe in chemtrails or not, the geoengineering should be scary enough. And when people learn about geoengineering, chemtrails will then become apparent because they're the same. So you're talking about global conspiracy here. Geoengineers propose doing this on on a global level. Off to Redding, California. Guess this is the second step after the 88. I'm pausing the video just for a brief minute to let everybody know uh, that the YouTube channel that this was being live streamed to just got a copyright strike and the live stream on youtube was just taken down mid broadcast right now as we're broadcasting when i looked real quick to see what it was um what i got the strike for it said that it is deceptive spam content and that it's basically i'm just spamming not real content even though i just showed you in the beginning of the broadcast that the government was calling and talking about openly doing this now. Now I'm showing you Mike's documentary from 12 years ago, and I got a no-no strike on my one of my YouTube channels, and they blocked the live stream. So people are only hearing it on KGRA, on the Twitter accounts, and over on Rumble right now. So make sure you subscribe to Ra- Rabbit Hole Radio on Rumble. There's, there's your live censorship update. See, this is why YouTube sucks. Hey, ask me, and we'll see what we find. Right here in Northern California at Dana Wigginton's house, he owns over 2,000 acres overlooking Lake Shasta. He told me about some of the challenges that they're having up here. Let's go and talk to Dane. We'll see, you know, what's going on on his property. We'll see what he's going through and also what, what action he's taking based on the test results that he has. You know, I have a background in the energy fields. I worked in the first solar plants in the continental U.S. in the early 80s. My home was on the cover of the world's largest renewable energy magazine. So this is my background. My goal has been to alert the public there is a mountain of toxic material falling on us, period. Before, about five years ago, our skies were typically blue. And now you see it's covered with lines and haze. 
and virtually nothing you see on the horizon, nothing you see in the sky above us is a natural cloud. I mean, it is, it is virtually all the remnants of these aircraft lines that you see uh, fanning out, spreading into clouds, uh, artificial clouds, but the sky is a very dirty look to it. Uh, there's not the white cloud blue sky that we had only a few years ago, but it looks like there's some sort of massive industrial activity or forest fires burning over there. And we see that typically every night. You see even, even down to ground level, the clarity drops off significantly. And um, we don't see that all, except for the days when we have these long lingering trails that uh, spread and cover the whole sky. And on certain days, you can see these trails actually dropping vertically like a veil. Uh, we assume the particulates are descending and, and we have the test to prove that uh, we are being inundated with uh, levels of aluminum and particulates that are literally tens of thousands of times what would already be considered high. So we're not talking about uh, exposure to uh, a, a slight percentage higher of, of these toxic materials. We're, we're talking about quantities, for example, off the side of Mount Shasta. If you can pan back that's a, that's a landmark in Northern California, considered to be a pristine water source. Uh, aluminum or snow sample off the side of Mount Shasta tested 61,000 parts per billion. This is just ordinary snow water. And people are drinking this stuff when they're hiking on the mountain. And remember, government action is required at 1,000. This is 61 times over the government limit and our hikers are drinking this poisonous water on Mount Shasta Mountain oh itself. God. Barium, 83. Strontium, 383. So this summer, the people climbing are drinking poison. Uh, basically. I, I certainly wouldn't want to drink 61,000 micrograms per liter of aluminum. And again, we, we've already seen in five years soil pHs in this area that have escalated 10 to 12 times and we can prove that conclusively well this is not speculation we can prove conclusively that these metals have been in the rain we have duplicate samples bachelor of science in forestry international school of forestry at missoula masters in zoology specialized in aquatics 35 years with the u.s forest service as a wildlife biologist and before that uh, several years with the usda soil conservation service as a soil conservationist, also have run the botany programs, uh, range and grazing programs, and I continue that today. Right now I do a lot of master gardener consultation work. When I started this garden back in about 2005 or so, the pH here was 5.5, 5.6. This is the old soil survey of the county. Mm -hmm. You can look at the page right here. This is my soil right here. Mm -hmm. It's a Dietz 125-126 here at my house. And here, the soil reaction pH should be between 4.5 and 6.0. And over there in the pure mud, it's even a little darker. It's 6.8 right there. And, and what can this do to plant life in ecosystems? Well... You haul one of these things out and you start looking at the little little things that are crawling around the soil. A lot of times they aren't there anymore. The uh, little soil arthropods that you can barely see on a microscope, you can actually see movement with this. 
little tiny, tiny, tiny macroscopic, look like little moving pieces of dust. Those start to go away. They're not gone entirely, but they start to go away. This is black oak acorns. You know, this is, this is pieces of cedar wood. You know, come on folks. This should be very acid and I'm getting 10 times higher than expected. There's something really wrong here. You can see all those uh, reports, you, lots you of them. have over 20 reports here. Uh, well, at least 20. I'd say it'd be closer to 30. All revealing dangerous amounts of aluminum and barium. You know, the science is there that something funny is happening. And the naysayers say, well, so what? Isn't neutral good? Well, no, neutral's not good. Neutral is not good. If your soil is supposed to be 5.6, it should stay 5.6 if you want the forest to be healthy. And if you want to grow a good garden, you have to keep your pH around 6.0, 6.5. I think that we just need to wake up and just look at what's happening because we can't just ignore it because it's going to get worse and worse if we just keep ignoring it and pushing it away like, oh, that's nothing. There was mason jars and they were brand new, sterilized, and that's what we catch the rain in. Mm -hmm. And then there was a HEPA filter that we tested the air with. Okay, so you caught rain and then you, you basically filtered air. What did you find? Aluminum and barium. Here's another test that's revealing 375 yeah. Thousand parts per million aluminum, barium at 3,090, and strontium at 345. Yeah, that's from a lined pond with EPDM fish safe pond liner. There is no chemicals, manufacturing materials at all in that pond liner that's uh, available to the aquatic life. It's designed for that purpose. The well that feeds this pond has been tested and retested. Indeed, no detectable aluminum, zero. The only other place this pond can receive water is rainfall. We are located on a filtered forested hilltop, miles and miles and miles away from any industry, highway, and so forth. After several heavy spray days, there was a film that we, we received form on the surface of the water, and we tested that crust, and it was uh, aluminum and barium. That after a year and a half's accumulation, had 375,000 parts per billion of aluminum in it. It's literally toxic. We can say, conclusively that what we see in the sky matches expressly what's outlined in numerous patents and the materials on the ground match those patents. This material was not there five years ago. It is a recent phenomenon in the quantities it's in. It has escalated in some cases 50,000% in five years in the case of aluminum. From our original baseline reading of 70 parts per billion, which was already high, it has escalated up to 50,000% in five years. So we've seen profound changes in that time. Dr. Leonard Time, um, PhD in chemistry, I cross-checked with him, and he says the oxides of aluminum, bearing, and strontium will drive your pH into the coastal from an acid soil like this up into the neutral. There's no question about it. And, and that's exactly... That's exactly what you see happen. Wow. I have a doctorate in inorganic chemistry from Oregon State University mm -hmm. in which I was working with different metals and oxidation states mm -hmm. and then did a postdoctorate work at Brandeis where I was working stabilizing off oxidation states of different metals. The goal is to sort of figure out 
how everything fits in the dynamic equilibrium of life. I was working with Francis up in uh, Mount Shasta and he showed me some rainwater analyses that had to do with levels of aluminum, strontium and barium in the atmosphere. So I feel the major toxin in these chemtrails is the aluminum. And from the levels we are looking in at Mount Shasta, this is totally, totally unacceptable. When you get to metals and biological systems, you're no longer talking about the bulk aluminum that people think about when they're using, drinking from soda pop cans and that. So once it gets to the aluminum oxide stage, it just forms a plaque within your arteries mm -hmm. and shuts down life. When you take elements that normally aren't out in the environment and you start putting them in the environment, it raises some serious red flags. Mm -hmm. Aluminum is a very specific nasty in biological systems. It takes that site and it never lets go and it shuts down the site and that's it. And so as you accumulate aluminum over time, it causes major neurological damage because it ends up as aluminum oxide that's essentially stuck in place and can't be flushed out by normal systems. At the core of everyone's condition, there's always some level of toxins. And aluminum is known to have, have cancer-causing effects. The half-life is decades. I think that we should be working on taking more of these toxins out of our environment instead of adding more toxins in. It's very concerning that if we add more toxins to our environment, that will be increasing the rates and risks of cancers. Even one patient is not worth it so sad that they would consider putting aluminum in our environment to affect something when they could be causing so much more damage. Wherever the material is coming from, it is there. The amount of metal falling on us cannot be disputed. Absolutely, this is not speculation. The, the amount of metal in the last four years, as I said, have increased to a degree of thousands of times and um, California Air Quality Resources Board has, has studied the aerosols from China. These metals are not amongst them. Mike, the reason I've chosen to, to focus so primarily on this issue is I feel all other issues are secondary. What could be a greater priority than not being able to walk out your door and take in a breath of air without sucking up heavy metals? If our land base is being poisoned, if our waters are being toxified, what will we have left to work with? Whatever we choose to focus our time and energy on, whatever our political beliefs, that this is a common ground for all of us. We, we must have air that we can breathe that's not full of toxic chemicals and metals. We must have water that's not completely laden with whatever is being emitted from these aircraft. And if people stopped to consider that the atmosphere is as thin as a layer of paint on a basketball, it is an extremely thin layer that allows life to exist on this planet. To simply treat it as a physics lab and experiment with it until it is broken beyond repair is folly of, of unbelievable proportion. And if people understood that this sort of experimentation not only is going on, but it has been going on for a very, very long time, uh, going back 50 years, there's been uh, countless climate manipulation weather modification programs that the, the vast majority of the public is completely unaware of and if they think that 
that this is not true, that certainly they would, that somehow they would have known if it was occurring, I, I would ask them to, to look at things like Agent Orange and the things that, that governments do because they can, because there's no one to stop them, because they have uh, these, these huge military machines that, that um, want to control everything. And in fact, the government's own document, perhaps you may have seen, it's available to any online, is called Owning the Weather an express goal of our government, and not just our government. He told the Associated Press uh, that the American government has created weather tampering techniques so that the New World Order will be able to starve millions of Americans and control the rest. There is weather control techniques. Number one, the entire patents on the equipment. Number two, Senator Claiborne Pell's complete statement and story of his own that not only does it exist, but that we even utilize it as far back as the Vietnam War. Well, we're going to do what we can. Let's see what we can do. You got the scientists behind you. The scientists are with you, so uh, at least this scientist is with you. I may not have a million dollar budget, but I've got enough to show that something's definitely wrong. You got it. All right. So Arizona will be mon this Monday, the 21st. Senator Johnson up in Sholo. So we're gonna be in the car a long time. Well, it is such a pleasure. <laughs> this is such a good place back here, I'm yeah, telling you, Michael. Great. But you know this what? We love it. It's so private and it's so quiet and peaceful. And um, please come in. My name is Karen Johnson. I served in the Arizona State Legislature for 12 years. I was in the House for eight of those years and in the Senate for four of those years. When you see a plane fly overhead, there's a trail that leaves the end of that plane and it goes from one horizon all the way to the other as the plane flies across and it begins to filter out and cover more and more of the sky in kind of ripples. It widens out and fills the whole sky. I mean, it. how could anybody think that that was the case? And then to live and to be underneath that and know that whatever is in that is falling down upon you and upon your animals and upon the earth. And I mean, it's frightening to me. And if people don't start really waking up and facing the fact that we've got people that are doing terrible things to us and we had better wake up and fight back now. I mean, I'm the mom of 11 kids. I've got 35 grandkids. I mean, I've got a stake in this. I care about what is gonna be left for my children. I care about it and I'm extremely worried about what is gonna be left to them. Aluminum is toxic and we know that it's accumulative. And we know that we're getting more. So we're absorbing it in the air. We're drinking it in our water. So we are accumulating more. So the thought of more aluminum being dispersed in our environment in the way that you mentioned is very frightening to us and very disturbing to us. Those of us who have done any research on this are really quite concerned that we are ill-informed about this issue and mostly that it's being done. Uh, aluminum is toxic. We know that it is. Uh, we can debate as to the amount of toxicity that is going to be disturbing the body. But as far as uh, really accepting the fact that it's accumulative, it's synergistic, 
then we have to conclude that it's not a good idea to put it in our atmosphere, especially when we know we're getting increased amounts, and especially since we know that the scientific communities around the world are pointing a finger at the heavy metal toxicities, at the toxicities that we're absorbing in, in the day-to-day food that we eat and the air that we breathe. The concern is, is off the charts about why is this happening? Why is this being allowed to be sprayed continually all over the United States, all over the world? Uh, Who is paying for this? I mean, the incidence of Alzheimer's has just skyrocketed, which evidently has to do with an accumulation of aluminum in the brain cells. I mean, I think almost every family has been touched by a member as they get older having Alzheimer's. And, and it's a horrible, it's a horrible disease. And to say that, well, this just came because people drank soda pop out of aluminum cans, you know, when my father passed away with Alzheimer's and he didn't ever drink soda pop, you know, that, that explanation doesn't ring true with me. And so I'm wondering how much did this chemtrail spraying back in the Illinois area affect him? Aluminum and fine metal is an accelerant. Our friend who's a firefighter up uh, in Pine, Arizona for 20 or 30 years uh-huh. says that the wildfires now that they're fighting uh, are way beyond anything they've uh-huh. seen before uh, in intensity. And when you look at the air samples and you see the fine particles of aluminum, which is very flammable and magnesium settling on the trees, uh, this is causing unprecedented uh, savage wildfire but if you look at this you can see the these are parts uh, per million they sent this to me and i just found this to be extremely interesting because we should have like two parts per million of aluminum in our air and this is saying that there's thirty-nine thousand parts of aluminum that's astronomical barium is high i mean these are way off the charts of what people should be breathing or what's coming down on them. And, you know, if people wonder why their health is deteriorating, why they're having to go to emergency rooms, why they can't breathe, you know, why they're getting Alzheimer's, this has been planned. We have elites, I don't know what you want to call them, one worlders, Illuminati, I don't know, whatever you want to call them. But in with these people that don't care about the average person, They only care about themselves, their greed, their power. And if they eliminate, you know, two thirds, three fourths of us from the planet, so much for the better for them, because then they don't have so many people to have to herd around and worry about. So this is, uh, this is a lot what this is about. And this is very, very alarming and scary. I mean, where is this stuff coming from? And why? Why is this kind of stuff being put out there? Uh, You know, I've heard different explanations about, oh, we need to cool the planet, all this and that. But if people are up there trying to cool the planet, why do they need all this kind of stuff in in it? Uh, The explanations just never have really rang very true. And as I'm setting up the equipment, she looked at me and she said, all these trees here are dying. And I said, what? She says, all these trees in here are dying. So I thought, well, I'm going to test for aluminum because that's one of the key things in the programs that we're talking about. 
and titanium. And I took some of this bark sample and tested it, and it came back positive with aluminum and titanium. Mm -hmm. Then I started traveling around California, noticing the same thing. In Lake Tahoe, there, there was a lot of the same type of bark all through Sacramento area and Davis. Just about everywhere I went, I was noticing this silver white bark. Mm -hmm. What I think is happening is these chemicals are getting down and destroying the roots. And then as they come up, they're going out into the bark. Those two right there are the ones that are, are just, it just hurts so bad to see these two because look how old and big they are. We probably lost 40 trees right here on our 10 acres. Every week, every other weekend, we'd see another tree that was beginning to die. And I mean, it's just so sad, we just cry. And to think that that might have something to do with it, along with their other explanations, would really, really frost me. Every time you lose a tree, you know, it's, it's not good, it's just sad. And there's another one over here in this little group of trees here. Don't you feel better when you stand up and fight than if you crawl down in a little hole and go to sleep? You know, I mean, my gosh, people, there are, your families are out there, children are out there, your grandchildren. I mean, you've got to do something to help. My greatest hope is to get people to question and, hey, if they don't wake up while we're there, I'm hoping to plant some seeds. We're going to the most beautiful place on the planet, Hawaii, to see what's going on, collect some data. Thank you for having fun with us. Hope you enjoyed the trip. Have a great vacation and welcome home if you're lucky enough to live here. Thank you. The whole valley's off the grid, so it's either solar, wind, or um, generators. Look at this, man. Yeah, the mind can't even conceive of it. Right. right. Yeah, right. Even, even coming here, and, and one would never think, you know, in, in paradise, that, that it's getting destroyed. And they're doing it island style. They do it off the island, right? They do it off the island. So they don't, you know, you don't see the chemtrail airplane. The theory is that it's they're spraying the ocean offshore and, and it's, it's coming in on the and it's coming in. Now these are coming from the west. They're also spraying on both sides today. A lot of this stuff is actually chemtrails coming this direction. There's material that's blocking. We should be able to see to the horizon, you know, where the earth curves because we're high enough and we have the ocean, right? So we should be able to see, we should be able to see the big island. It's only 30 miles away. And you can see it's not a blue sky behind it. That's the key. It's all, it's all, you know, has that kind of weird looking blue, like silver blue, I call it. And this is a nice day. You know, there's no more blue sky. The night, we're going to look at the stars at night. It's like, there's, you'll see, you can count them. There's so few stars at night now. There should be hundreds of thousands of stars, and I can count the stars. 
there's like one here and one here and one planet here. It's like you might see some nights you'll see a hundred, some nights you'll see ten. This is what concerns me, this kind of stuff right here. It's just soft. Okay. This just comes right off, this bark. That's not natural. Well, I've seen hundreds of thousands of coconuts, and I've never seen it falling apart like that. Look, look at this, you guys. I've never seen anything like this. They used to trim trees all the time in the Big Island. I've never seen anything like that. That's why I'm concerned. Not an easy task that you have here on the island. I could see the skepticism because it is so far beyond anybody's reality. It's amazing. It's just amazing to not to try to look through somebody else's eyes. Like my eyes, I, I can see this so it's like night and day. And other people just it's just the the the, the illusion is just so deep. What do you think would happen if everybody awakened? To, uh, to what was going on and what the plans were of geoengineers. I think <laughs> I think they'd have a revolution in Hawaii if people really understood what was going on. What's your concern for? I know that that you love the land here. What do you? What's your concern about the chemtrails? Well, that that we won't be able to live here and grow our own food. And that our health is going to be compromised. Do you uh, think it already has been? Yes. And the, the thing is that they're doing it every day here. Every day. So it's hammering, 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 hammering. Micro doses every day. And then, of course, it's getting in the environment. And, of course, it's weakening the plants. And it takes a couple years for this to actually weaken the plant. So we need, we're asking for GMO taro. We're asking for GMO papaya because we can't grow our natural seeds. We can't be sustainable. We can't truly, you know, be here as God created us to be. And so my friend convinced me to do a hair analysis on my daughter. So we went ahead and cut close to her scalp and got some really recent, recently grown hair and sent it in. I was just sure that my daughter's hair was going to be so clean with the lifestyle that we live. And lo and behold, it came back and her levels were really high in aluminum. This is the chart here. Um, this is the reference range, and this is where my daughter is. 23.1 aluminum. The skies are covered with a white mist, and I look up at night anymore, and I don't see the deep, dense stars that I used to, and I can't help but think this obviously has something to do with my daughter's health. I don't know where else these heavy metals are coming from. Yeah, I mean, look, look how old she is. She's been isolated here. Here. And she's... Uh, uh, here. Anybody looking at the situation would be like, this is paradise. This child should be like super human. Organic foam. And here you are getting all this heavy metal stuff. She has, you, she has highest level aluminum on the chart. Never had a vaccine either. Folks, these people are playing God. They are playing God. They're manipulating the weather and they're spraying stuff into the sky. They are trying to geoengineer everything, including your plants and trees and your ocean. Well, tonight, we're just hoping that instead of not looking at it, you start looking into it because I really believe from the bottom of my heart that we are in a real crisis. I really do. They are proposing dumping 10 to 20 million tons of aluminum into the upper atmosphere. What does aluminum do? 
it changes the pH of soils, which is toxic to plant life. Also, it's very toxic to human health. Are they doing it? Well, let me tell you about my experience and what we found. We have much evidence that not only suggests, but I believe prove that they are happening. And as I promised, we're joined right now by a very special guest, Michael J. Murphy, currently on location uh, in Hawaii. He's working on a documentary film called What in the World Are They Spraying? Michael, welcome to the program. Great to speak with you today. I had a friend who recently, he, he's, he's, uh, he's always looking at, at, at things from a different perspective. He's a bit, he's a bit of a, uh, a conspiracy theorist, you know, and he says that whenever the president comes to L.A., there's no spraying that week. Could you have a better place for an interview? I mean, look. <laughs> this is being done. Mm-hmm. Over our over our farms and over our things. So basically, they want to eliminate our ability to eat organic food, clean food, have clean water. So it, in some ways, it, it sounds to me like, and you know, again, it's just a projection, but it sounds to me like this is control. How do we control the masses? Yeah. How can aluminum be good for you in any? And what was the second chemical you mentioned? It's uh, it's barium, barium, barium aluminum. Obviously, those are toxic to 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 everything. To human health. Yeah. Absolutely. Human health to to farms to animals, to everything. 61,000 parts per billion. And there should be a government alert at 1,000? At at 1,000, people are drinking this. People that climb the mountain, they're drinking that snow. It's poison. Oh, my God. That's so disgusting. So that's that's 60,000 times above regulation. Exactly. 60,000 times above regulation. And I've I've talked to friends, and they're like, well, that's just ice. That's Mm -hmm. just condensation. I... And I'm like, you can talk to a second grader. Ice doesn't float in the sky and spread out that way, you know. You're not an expert, but you're a concerned citizen who said, wait a second. I want to. Yeah, you're doing the research. And that's what we need to do as Americans and say, you know what? I want to know what's going on. I want to know what the FDA is doing to my food. I want to know what the government's doing with my air and my water and, and, and the soil. And, you know, it's just great what you're doing. And, and, and I, I just my kudos to you for for bringing light to this subject. Put all of the theories aside, just what geoengineers are proposing and what's being found is scary enough. So we can just address that. And I encourage, you know, I encourage more people to just step up and ask questions and, and do what he's doing. So thank you, Michael, very, very much. Uh, aerosol spraying aluminum uh, affects everywhere. And we have a beautiful tropical climate, which I believe might be in jeopardy. So we wanted to not only come and bring the message of what people were finding around the world, but encourage people to test for the aluminum strontium barium. Essentially, I think it was an effective trip. I saw a lot of people here in Hawaii, in Maui, awake and not only curious, but willing to look into this deeper. And that's my only hope. This is one of the boldest moves, I think, from Ed Griffin yet. Uh, this is the taboo topic that nobody's supposed to talk about, and that is aerosol spraying. Now, we've got the tons of documented proof of errant aerosol spraying. It, it just blows my mind that, that the whole essence of humanity has always been to look up into the sky and ask why. Though there are no limitations. There is endless space, an endless universe. Now, in the 21st century, we're not allowed to do that. 
Anyone who looks up and sees the giant grids and the X's in the sky that, that weren't part of our existence until just a, a decade or two ago is somehow called a kook. And the people that are the best and biggest proponents for the revolution and for liberty, they don't want you to talk about it because you could discredit them. It, it seems to be an industry that's being built up to uh, to milk the taxpayers by undergoing some kind of a giant a spraying global spraying program to make all kinds of money on the project, and they don't seem to care really what effect it has. They're not trying to experiment to see if humans can survive it or anything like that. They just want to get this stuff up. And then we discover, as we're going further down the line, that there are companies generating. A, uh, genetically modified organisms or seeds, uh, modified seed crops that are they're being engineered to resist the aluminum in the soil. And a lot of crops won't grow in that. And so now, after they've messed up the soil, all the farmers are going to have to go back and uh, buy seeds that have been yeah. genetically engineered to resist the aluminum that have been put into the soil. And all of a sudden, uh, mankind is completely dependent upon these uh, companies like Monsanto and other giant uh, agricultural firms. You can't even grow natural seeds anymore. And we're looking at that. It, it's, a, it's a shocking thing. I hope, I hope we don't find that that's true. But all the arrows right now are pointing in that direction. We get into cost-benefit analysis here because there's also HARP could be involved in this. Geoengineering, as you guys mentioned, which is documented heavily in Dennis Kucinich's uh, bill that is the Space Preservation Act, uh, which, by the way, I don't think got through Congress. And then Cade Bailout, as we call her here, Cade Bailey Hutchinson, uh, also put together some legislation in order to qualify geoengineering, which, again, is supposed to save us all from global warming. But it is cost-benefit analysis because they can benefit on so many different levels, Ed. That's how they do everything, isn't it? That's right. And, you know, there's an old adage, if you just follow the dollar, follow the buck, you usually you get to the source of the problem. And it looks to me like there's a tremendous, uh, tremendously profitable industry uh, being built up right now around this concept of geoengineering or weather modification or reducing global warming and all of these other things that can be sold fairly easily to an unsuspecting public they all say, oh, well, that's good. We, we don't want global warming, you know. And so they put up with this, and they don't question. They don't criticize. But behind the scenes, you see a whole industry being built up, which is, uh, as I say, tremendously profitable. And the, the money for all of that is coming uh, from the taxpayers. And uh, it, it's a scam is basically what it is. We're just focusing on the one area that is real easy to prove. There's no speculation in the, in the area that we're going into. They definitely are uh, doing this geoengineering. They definitely are talking about it. They've, they're working up formulas for it. They're putting together strategies for it. They've got funding for it. Everything is in place. We don't even have to go into those other areas to make the case. Um, Okay, let them let them believe that, but at least they must understand that there's no question that they're talking about it and planning to do it. And so shouldn't they be equally alarmed about what they're going to do if it can be shown that barium and aluminum and some of these other toxic metals are very destructive to the planet and destructive to human health? Isn't that enough? You know, how many how many issues do we need to crank into this? And so, you know, if you're going to kill the planet and kill the population, do we need any other reason to be alarmed?
What in the world are they spraying? Thank God people are asking this question. That's all we want. We just want to be able to ask these questions. Uh, our good friend G. Edward Griffin, all these years, Mike Murphy and Paul Wittenberg are doing this great effort with your help. This is a community effort to get people real information. What in the world are they spraying? Um, any final quick comments before we're out of time? And my only final thought is that we asked the question, what in the world are they spraying? And we now know what it is. And folks, you're not going to like it. Hey! I'm Peter Vreke. I'm from Belgium. I'm uh, 54 years old. I can't believe it myself. I'm uh, a very happy and grateful person. We are doing the job. The police, the justice department, the environmental department should have been doing. And it's really essential that it's going to be a grassroots revolution. I think so. Because we are not fighting against, but for. Yes, yes, we are fighting for. I was in the council for about 25 years and also a period as the mayor. So from that moment on, 10 years ago, everything started to change. I start to get a picture of what is really going on. And it became crystal clear to me that we, humankind, have been uh, manipulated and dominated and uh, exploited for centuries. So, and this country uh, of phenomenon made me angry because I was so helpless. You can uh, decide what food you're going to eat, what you're going to smoke, uh, what uh, water you're going to drink, what kind of life you're going to lead, but not uh, with this phenomenon. Then you are just a victim. It's only a game. And they have to be good guys, and they have to be bad guys. And luckily, we are in the position to uh, be able to play the role of the good guy who has the chance and the opportunity to uh, overcome. Three days that we shared with them, my heart just, just dropped because it was such a beautiful way to live and such a peaceful way to live. I left thinking, what, what's this going to be like in 10 years? Are, are, is, is everything going to be killed off on the property? And, and if it is, what's, how are they going to get their food source? Are they going to have to take, take a class, you know, and get certified by company XYZ? And what are the requirements for that? And that really is the end of freedom. I'm concerned about that. I definitely, uh, I really am. Yeah. I learned to say everything is now as it has to be now. And everything is going to be okay. It's going to be all right. It's going to be okay. Yes. I have this uh, deep feeling that in the end we will prevail because we have the right on our side. The cosmos is helping us. And I have this strong feeling that we are being supported by entities and by forces we can't even imagine. Here for the first time, we have this scientific uh, proof that we are being spread. We are being spread and it's incredible and it's hard to believe, but we are being spread. I think at this moment to stop is not an option. Once you know it, 
And once you have a tool like this and an opportunity like this, that the issue of chemtrails or persistent jet contrails or whatever name you use for it, that this um, uh, phenomenon is recognized as being real, publicly debated on. In the context of geoengineering, I think it's high noon to bring this to the public. This is what the sky is supposed to look like. These are old paintings. We forgot this, I'm afraid. In the years that I have been a medical research journalist, I have looked at many, many things. And I found the same three issues in whatever I'm looking at. And that is that we are being dumbed down. We are being made sicker and we are being made infertile. Citizens gathered from around the world in Belgium for the first International Chemtrail Symposium. The event attracted leading professionals, politicians and activists who discussed the health, environmental and social implications of these programs. Today it's only going to be about facts, documents, figures, patents, licenses, everything that brings us to the truth. We have no other weapon against this vast complex than exposing and bringing their dark words in the light of the truth. We have the hope that by our efforts, more and more people will become aware of the fact that we are deceived by our leaders. So today, we, as a family, join forces with the people who publicly made known to the world that chemtrails are not a conspiracy theory, but a conspiracy fact. From the Technische Universiteit Delft in the Netherlands. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Koen Vermeer. I'm uh, I'm a university professor of Delft University of Technology. Usually people are with their heads to the ground in their own two-dimensional space and they don't look up. But if you do, you see more and more space like this. And it, it, it worried me too. I, I have no explanations to our students about these phenomena. And then I studied it myself and I found out that I couldn't give them the answers they wanted because I think that the phenomenon is not natural. It's not natural what is happening. And the explanations that are given to us uh, are not enough for me. If you look at them from a scientific point of view, the first thing a scientist does is trying to explain something. Because I'm smart and my students are not as smart yet, so I have to give them answers to questions. But if you ask most scientists, honestly, they cannot answer all your questions. If people are using uh, climate control all over our heads, I want to know about it. I want to know the consequences, I want to know the health impacts, I want to know everything. I need, as a teacher in my university, to give answers to my uh, students. And they have good questions. And I don't have the answers. And I want to know. Excellent. And we should discuss this. Ladies and gentlemen, for, for here you in the auditorium and for all over the world, Michael Murphy. Well, thank you very much. It's definitely an honor to be here in Belgium. 
the, the people who are in power control everything. They control the markets, they control us, and now they're even controlling the weather. And they can use that for warfare applications. The one thing that they cannot control is what God had originally made, and that's natural organic seeds. This is called the Hegelian dialect. It's called problem, reaction, solution. The problem here is massive amounts of aluminum, things starting to die. The solution is company X that says, hey man, you're not getting yields on, on your crop. Everything's dying, but I got the solution. I got a seed that will grow in this environment. Only problem is now you have to start buying from me. We're a little concerned that maybe part of this agenda could be to kill off anything that's natural and organic and re-engineer it with aluminum resistant GMO seeds. Uh, many may know we just got back from a week of filming in Hawaii and uh, it was an incredible trip. A big concern for the people there is they're beginning to see softening of the coconut trees. But their concern is that these programs may again be part of a, uh, of a broader agenda to destroy anything that's natural and organic so that the corporate redesigned GMO foods might be the only thing, uh, only source of food for people. I didn't anticipate so many people, um, young and old, who are interested in, uh, in this phenomenon and are concerned about it. And I especially like the, the address that the young girl gave uh, yeah. today, uh, only 17 and already making an address to the, to the audience that is well, incredible. My name is Sophia Senilis. I am 17 years old. It is quite scary to know that the air we breathe is not what it's supposed to be. That the food we eat and the water we drink contain traces of those substances which are sprayed out over all of us as though we were being poisoned like insects. The feeling that this is causing me are feelings of deep anger and rage. I don't want to be poisoned. I don't want to have to be infected with cancer. And I'm just so angry that this global poisoning can be going on, on such a massive scale, and not enough is being done to stop this crime. A clear answer to one question. Are we being spread? Have we been spread? Yes. And is it their intention to spread again and again? What are we going to do about this? How are we going to deal with it? How are we going to stop it? I know the answer. There is only one person who can stop it. And you know it. You are. You are the person, the one you have been waiting for. We are magnificent, beautiful, godlike, divine human beings. Ladies and gentlemen, sisters and brothers, in this auditorium and in the whole world, thank you so very much for being present with us. And for now, please enjoy this anthem. So uh, anyway, I'm glad that the weather's been good for you fellas so far. 
just think if we were doing this in the wintertime, you might, if you're going to Washington, D.C., you might run into snow. <laughs> Thank God or not. That's right. Um, you know, it's interesting because of the, uh, the different weather modification programs, there's something like, I think, right around 32 in the continental U.S. alone going on. So the theory is that geoengineering is in part weather modification. You know, Mike, that's a very good point. There are so many subsets uh, connected with this issue of geoengineering. Uh, people are writing to us all the time with information about the connection to global warming, the connection to weather modification. Uh, some people think there's a connection with Morgellons disease. Uh, others think it's, uh, it's kind of a, a means of transmitting electromagnetic uh, impulses from the harp. Uh, antenna system up in Alaska and Siberia. Boy, it gets your head spinning. And each area, I think, is is worthy of investigation, but we have so little time. I think it's wise for us to stay focused on just the aerospraying and the toxic effect of these chemicals and the destruction of the planet and the damage to human health. What more do you need than that to convince people that we have to put a stop to it? So to stay focused, I think, is our mission on this one. Jeremy, we had an idea. We know that you know the political system real well. Our idea was this. We have a ton of data and information that we've collected throughout our travels. And, you know, we really think a good way to end the film would be addressing this to elected officials, some of the senators. So we were wondering this, if you might be able to come and kind of help us out and perhaps show us the way in, in how to get this done politically. But it sounds like a really good idea, and uh, I'll, I'll, I'm also going to get to, in terms of researching who it is that we should really focus on talking to about this. At the very least, if uh, we could make it, make, uh, make it impossible for them to claim that they don't know at this point, we can strip away their plausible deniability that they haven't heard of the data that points to uh, a geoengineering uh, stratospheric aerosol operation already going on. At the very least, it should be very interesting to go to district district of criminality and uh, some people on alert. Yeah, you have a lot of enemies in Washington. That's that's where all the power comes together and the money, you know. So uh, there are people there, I'm sure, that just don't want us to do this job. But uh, I'm glad you're going, and uh, you'll find out. We took the data to Washington, D.C., there we presented our elected officials with the following letter. According to the fifth article of the Bill of Rights amending the Constitution for the United States of America, no person shall be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. But the daily spraying is depriving all persons living within the United States of life, health, liberty, and integrity of our common and private property without due process of law. As a representative of the people of the United States of America, we insist that you do everything in your power to protect us and immediately put a stop to geoengineering spraying at once. There exists no justification, legal or otherwise, to poison the planet and its inhabitants. Now suppose that um, space aliens arrived on, maybe they're gonna land at the UN headquarters down the road here, or maybe they'll pick a smarter spot. But um, suppose they arrive and they give you a box. 
and the box has two knobs. One knob is the knob for controlling global temperature, maybe another knob is a knob for controlling CO2 concentrations. You might imagine that we would fight wars over that box because we have no way to agree about where to set the knobs. No global governance, and different people will have different places they want it set. Solar engineering is like chemotherapy. No one wants it. But we all want the ability to do chemo and to understand its risks should we find ourselves with dangerous cancer. How long does it last up there? The lifetimes are years. What, years? A couple of years. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to pause it there for one quick second. For the radio listeners over at KGRA listening to the audio, uh, in about a minute, minute and a half, uh, the broadcast will be ending. But for those of you that are live streaming with me here on Twitter or Rumble or to KGRA's video feed, uh, you can continue to watch it there. It's the audio feed at the, the radio station end of it. I have to sign off because I pop off here uh, between 11.58 and 11.59, usually on a Saturday. So, and we're coming up on it. But there's about a good uh, 22 minutes left to the documentary. So I am going to continue to play the rest of this documentary in full so you can get all of this information. So make sure you tune in. Stay tuned if you're watching the video feeds. Again, Twitter, Rumble, KGRA's video feed. YouTube did block me. Scumbags. To those of you listening over on the radio end, I thank you as always for listening uh, and tuning in, paying attention. This is real. This is going on. If you can and you want to see the rest of it, hop on over to Rumble and go look me up. Rabbit Hole Radio over on Rumble. Rabbit Hole Radio on Rumble. There's no spaces, so just type Rabbit Hole Radio and it should come up. You'll see the red Rabbit Hole Radio logo. And uh, follow me there. Make sure you tune in. Check it out. And uh, I'll be taking a few weeks off after this. So make sure to check out the best of stuff that's going to be playing during the Christmas holiday and New Year's holiday. And I will see you all again live next year. I love you all. Catch you all later over at KGRA. All right, ladies and gentlemen, there goes KGRA. The audio feed. I believe the video feeds are still going over there. So that's good. KGRA video feeds are up. The audio over there, the radio network end, had to sign off. So I appreciate everybody hanging in on the video streams over on Twitter and Rumble and on the KGRA video streams. I'm going to get back into it. So we are picking up right where I just paused it at what in the world are they spraying? And they're talking about uh, the levels of chemicals in the ground and in the air and in the water and what's raining down on us from this geoengineering project. As I said, ladies and gentlemen, this is a huge open air experiment that we are in. Back to the documentary. And then it what, precipitates out or? Yeah, that's correct. No toxic side effects that we know of? The thing we always wonder about is the unknown unknown. Yeah. So if you're thinking about, say, the acidification, it's clear that's not a problem in several studies that showed that. Right. But of course, the concern here is with so little research, there may be some unknown unknown that comes out of that field that bites us. My name is Mike Murphy. I'm a filmmaker in from Los Angeles. We're covering an issue called geoengineering. Okay, thanks, guys. Senator, a question about the issue of geoengineering. 
I'm afraid I don't know what you're talking about. And wondering if uh, you were supportive of geoengineers' proposals of spraying 10 to 20 million tons of aluminum into the atmosphere. I should really get a briefing paper on it before you get it. Oh, not a problem. Are you aware of the issue? Not, not completely. At all? Because, okay. Um, do you have a letter from constituents and people have concerns? Yeah, what's the... We're making a documentary about the... the I, I don't know. You guys have credentials to be here? Yes. Yes, we do. We, we pass through endowed security as well. Endowed by our creator. I think so. Please don't touch my property. You're just, you're just, you're, you're lying. No, why? What, what, what did we lie? What did we lie about, sir? No, we're not. What are we lying about? Lying about what? It's a little unusual, huh? I haven't heard that. No. Um, you're not aware of it? And it appears that these programs have already been deployed. You know, I haven't looked at that proposal, and so, you know, uh, well, why don't you let me review it? We'll I, I can do that. Are you aware of Actually, I'm going to go with Yeah. Let me go ahead and get that. I will take a look at this. And I'm and, and I will uh, act there accordingly. General, this, oh, this program, this openly covert program of the aerosol spraying, stratospheric aerosol spraying, geoengineering, what? using uh, tons of aluminum, spraying it up in the sky. No okay. Commonly called chemtrail surface. When when you were the head of NEMA, did you see the uh, the aerosol trails? Hi, sir. And we're covering an issue called geoengineering and wanted to know if you're supportive of geoengineers' proposals. Congressman? <laughs> hey, Congressman. I'm wondering if you're supportive of geoengineers' proposals, which is dumping 10 to 20 million tons of aluminum into the atmosphere? Pardon? Uh. Okay. Um, um, I, I'm not supportive. I, I, I haven't looked at it. Have you heard of the issue? Because it's becoming uh, uh, mainstream and public, and it's there are actually congressional committees which are being formed to talk about these programs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, I think we would drop anything into the atmosphere, we should know prior to the effect of that, right? Yes. And, and, and if we don't have the knowledge as, as to what the effect will be, we shouldn't do it. I think there are four different options for thinking about deployment of geoengineering. Uh, the first one would be we just ban it. I would argue that one does not want to get too firm a restriction in place on small-scale studies early on because it'll tie the science hands. I think what the science community ought to be trying to do is say, you do small-scale stuff inside this space, and it's a scientific question what that space ought to be, there shouldn't be a lot of oversight and restriction. Congressman? Excuse me. Hi, I'm Mike Murphy from Los Angeles covering an issue called geoengineering. These guys are running from the uh, geoengineering issue. I wonder why. I'd have to talk to my staff. I don't know what the your, your details on that. Have, have anyone made you aware of the issue, or, <laughs> sir? Did uh, your committee talk about geoengineering last November? Are you in support of those proposals? I'd love to give you a paper. Uh, oh.
Uh, geoengineering? Or you know nothing about the geoengineering issue? They call it geoengineering, but uh, yeah, I never heard of it. It's nothing I've ever heard anything about. When we looked up the going on. Quickly, have you heard of geoengineering? No. The proposals to shoot 10 million tons of metals into the air. This committee, Science and Technology, covered it for the first time. No. No, So we were very concerned. We spoke with uh, Congresswoman Watson's office, and her press secretary, Ms. White, is was familiar with uh, Representative Kucinich's uh, Space Preservation Act, which mentioned chemtrails and the weaponization of the atmosphere in space, and then it was pressured uh, to be taken off of, off of the off the uh, bill. Did you, did you see the aerosol spraying going on today over the Capitol? Congressman? Geoengineering carries with it a tremendous range of uncertainties, ethical and political concerns, and the potential for catastrophic environmental side effects. He, he's, uh, he's not one to do interviews very often, uh, so uh, not this would usually really pressure him into it. Okay. So, uh, so don't, you know, all that is don't hold your breath. As chairman of the Committee of Jurisdiction, I feel a responsibility to begin a public dialogue and develop a record on geoengineering. We want to know if you're supportive of their measures by spraying 10 to 20 million tons of aluminum no. into the atmosphere. No, I think we have to have, we need to have more research. Okay. And about the issue of current deployment, there's literally a mountain of evidence that uh, many people believe proves the deployment of these programs. Any knowledge of that? No, I, there's certainly not a mountain of evidence. Uh, but I, I do support research into the uh, into geoengineering, and I also uh, support looking into the international governance of that. Okay. I hope you know anybody that has studied it knows that I think that it's a radical proposal, and I hope we don't have to use it. But there may come that point in time where we do. Now, if we could provide you with the evidence that suggests that these programs are and have been ongoing, would you be willing to address this publicly? We, we, we've had about three or four meeting, uh, hearings on it. We have addressed some of them. Well, it, not not about the proposals, current but about deployment. the current deployment of these programs. Uh, Citizens, I, I, don't, I don't support the current deployment. I think we need to have more research, and if they have consequences that go beyond one nation, and so I think that uh, needs to be governance for that. Governance is not simply an issue of deployment, but governance before deployment, in terms particularly of large-scale scientific fieldwork. I concede that um, on this subject and in general, it's not popular to talk about global rules. And when these people started talking about uh, the need for UN Security Council oversight, a supranational environmental security enforcement with a strong mandate by the UN, you know, it, uh, it really is clear that they're looking for a global power behind the manipulation of the environment. But I do think it needs to be sort of an international uh, kind of cre uh, treaty that does tie and bind all nations into a common fate. It is a common fate. And unfortunately, it's not just big governments that could do this. It is small governments. It is billionaires probably could figure out, I'm going to save the world all by myself, and I won't bother to mention it. How do we decide when there's a planetary emergency? Whose hand is on the thermostat? How do we decide? when to start it. There's no way to do that right now. And what if we do start doing it, and then by some uh, problem with uh, the technology or with the will, uh, the 
we can no longer do it. In a year or two, the aerosols will come out of the atmosphere and temperatures will shoot up at a rate much faster than it's going up now. And it's that rate of change that's hard for us to adapt to. So once we start it, we'll be sort of locked into doing it for a long, long time. And so that, and with basically no end in sight. Boeing would pursue this to make a profit, right? I mean, the financial motivation to do this. Um, let's see. So let me not speak for Boeing. <laughs> is that allowed? Okay. Yeah. Well, it is what it is. Um, <laughs> no, but if, but it's someday if if the U.S. is going to decide to do this stuff, uh, they're going to turn look to a company who can do it, and you want to be positioned. Boeing would rather be uh, get it than Lockheed Martin. Um, so certainly um, we have an industrial base that helps the country uh, take on technologies and uh, large-scale challenges like national defense. And uh, we do that both for a profit motive as well as, uh, uh, I think, uh, as a national uh, service. So. I think it would be truly disastrous if, you know, we discovered a few years from now that uh, there was a black program that some uh, government had stood up to sort of learn on the, on the quiet how to do this. It's pretty clear you can cool the planet, but you will not and cannot bring it back to exactly the same climate state you started with. So you may or may not, and I expect we'll have a lot of back and forth about how useful it is to ameliorate the risks of climate change. I think there's a good evidence it probably is useful, but we don't know. But it certainly can't get you back to exactly the climate you started with. I think everybody agrees with that. Do you think you'll see deployment in our lifetime? I'll only say I hope not. Al? I would agree. I hope not. I I hope not. Okay. (laughs) I I see this as something like an evacuation plan, uh, you know, that you, that you, uh, you know, build big dikes. Maybe that's the emissions reduction to try to keep the flood from wiping you out. But that if you should, that flood should come, that you'd like a plan uh, for, for what to do in the event of that catastrophe. So I see these options more as a catastrophic response option and not uh, as a way to reduce risk of everyday climate change. You would advocate mitigating consumption of beef uh, as, as a means of accomplishing your objective? Uh, yes. How would you suggest going about that? You can't. Uh, I, I don't. I don't add. Uh, I mean, it's your job to decide what to tax and what not to tax. Obviously, if you wanted to people to behave differently, you give them incentives and disincentives for behavior. But I'm sure that's the answer you wanted to hear, uh, Mr. Smith. <laughs> if only my time uh, had not expired. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Because there's literally aluminum and bearing contamination found around the world, believed to be from these programs. Like, look today over the Capitol, looks like they're deploying some type of aerosol. Did you see it? In a James Bond scenario, some rogue rich guy puts some airplanes in the air and sees the clouds. What is to prevent that? Okay, are you aware of the issue? You do it through the other. Are you in support of those proposals? What is your take? I don't know anything about it. I've got a chair here. Okay, we'll give you a letter on this. Yeah, this is a letter from constituents. Excellent. And and many people believe that these programs have already been deployed because mass contamination has been found. Uh, Geoengineering programs, stratospheric. Yeah. Sprain from airplanes. So what what is happening, people from around the world are finding contamination. Let me take care of this and I'll talk to you when I come back. Thank you very much. We see that um, even though we might make the average temperature of the planet, about right, the rainfall patterns change some from today. 
and some places become warmer and some places become cooler. So uh, there are going to be winners and losers in this geoengineering activity if we were to do it. But nevertheless, as David has said, uh, there are reasons why we might consider doing it. Many people are deeply concerned about it because of the toxicity of aluminum, and it has been addressed to Congress and various committees. Would you take a look at a letter from some of your constituents addressing the concerns? Okay. Um, can I give you a, a letter from constituents? Are you aware of their proposals of dumping? Gotcha. Thanks. Well, I'm not familiar with it, so uh, I don't know what they're doing. Okay. Um, well, geoengineers are proposing uh, just that, dumping aluminum and barium into the atmosphere. Why would uh, they do that? Aluminum is a precious metal we can use. Well, the stated goal is to actually cool the planet. However, uh, there's a... <laughs> Sounds strange. Right, right. Exactly. So they're proposing dumping these metals into the air. Uh, to block the sun, essentially. Um, we're here to find out what uh, members of Congress well, are. I hope aware. we have a strong hearing on that before we I, decide to do I that. would hope so. And there's Thank plenty you. of evidence that not only suggests that these programs have been deployed because we're finding contamination of aluminum and barium on the rain, uh, snow, and soil. Okay, thank you. Thank you. LA County has seen a 200% increase in Alzheimer's over the last decade. Tons of ground and water samples showing high levels of aluminum all around our state. Why don't you give me all the information you have? I have some very good people I will assign it to. And um, if you get it to Mr. Lavelle, okay. we will you get it my to car and right. send me an email and yeah. we'll Okay. Okay. We'll, we'll be in touch. Okay. We are investigating this, and there's literally a mountain of evidence that suggests that these okay. programs Okay, move are that going mountain out. over to us. You got it. Take a look at it. And, and look up, Thank looking you. up into the Thank sky, you. and you'll see some of it, Oh, okay. okay. You will. You All can right. see the aerosols being sprayed out of airplanes quite a bit. Okay. So thank you. Yeah, the future of humanity is definitely dependent on it, so we're counting on people like yourself to... Uh, take some uh, proactive steps. So thank you very much, guys. You're very welcome. Appreciate thank it. You. Thank you. Right. A lot of Congress was uh, running down the hallways to avoid uh, answering any questions, looking for doors in the hallways. So apparently the war is against all of us and we're all in a hostage crisis. People who took an oath to uphold and defend the Constitution are not only know this is happening, are participating in this. And all of us have a duty to stand up and speak out about it. Why is the water being contaminated? Why is the soil being contaminated? Why are aluminum-related diseases going up and it's affecting all of us? And thus, we all have the duty to stand up and speak out and get educated and, and stop this for our own sake, for our children's sake. It is a crucial moment in history right now. As human beings, we need to decide whether to live on our knees while being sprayed and poisoned every day, while being under a continual threat, or whether we are going to stand up and, and live as, as free human beings and seek truth, justice, peace, and freedom for, for all, all of God's children. So as you can see, we're ending our film here in Washington, D.C. We've made many public officials aware of this. Most of them either denied any knowledge of this or they simply uh, were unwilling 
to address uh, the situation with us. So as you can see right behind the White House, we do have aerosols behind us. The spraying has continued. What is the solution? Is the solution here in Washington, D.C.? Clearly, this is one of the solutions, but the solution is not only here, the solution is within you. This issue affects all of us so deeply. So you need to look inside. Please get active, get involved, start spreading the word with growing awareness. About 90% of the population, we believe, is unaware of this issue, which means 90% of the people who normally might do something if they knew are not doing anything because they are unaware. So please look into your heart, use whatever skill you have to get the word out. The future of humanity is dependent upon it. R.I.P. Michael Murphy. Michael, you are missed, my brother. He was a great human being, and uh, he was an extremely intelligent man, and great researcher. And I'm glad I could bring his voice back to the airwaves again for everybody. So that is the complete first film. The second one is why in the world are they spraying? And I will put that up at a later date because it's about another hour and 12 minutes. And uh, I'm pretty sure that most of you you have been hanging out with me for two hours and 16 minutes here. You probably do not want to watch or, or tune in for another hour and 20 minutes uh, and, and have your brains bombarded with uh, you know too much information. Sometimes too much uh, at once is not a good thing. So, I'd rather leave it right there and let your brains soak in that info. So in the beginning of the broadcast, I showed you how the government is openly talking about spraying aerosols to block out sunlight. And they say it's for global warming. Now you go back and you watch this documentary, which we, I just aired. You saw the full thing and you saw him walking around D.C. in Congress, and they were laughing at him, most of them, blowing him off like he's crazy. And the few that he did talk to, you know, a couple of them were all were, I think we'd have committee hearings and stuff on this before we were doing any of that. Even though it was already being done back then, they were blowing it off. Oh, uh, you know, the government's not going to do that. Ha, 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 ha. Fast forward 12 years, and now the administration that's in the White House, the Biden administration, is openly talking about it. Of course, they're saying, we're going to research it. We're going to look into it. We're, we're, we're going to do the necessary research and see if this is feasible. They're already doing it. They'll come back and say, it's great. It's helping the planet. We need to do more of it. And then by then, they'll, it's right in your face. See, it's a slow, gradual progression. It's the frogs in the pot. You can't take frogs and throw them into a pot of boiling water. They'll jump out. But if you put them in water and slowly raise the temperature, they'll boil and they won't even know it. 
So it's the frogs in the pot. It's a big open air experiment. And we're all part of it. Whether we want to be or not, we don't have a choice. It's the whole reason I did this broadcast tonight is to inform you of that. What's the solution? The first solution, the, well, the beginning of the solution is that everybody needs to pay attention and wake up to what's going on. Because you can't fix the problem if you don't know there is one to begin with. 12 years ago when Mike made this movie, 2010, and obviously he was doing the research on it, you know, going back to a few years before. And a lot of us were already talking about chemtrails or uh, aerosol spraying and the, the, the different things that, the different ways that the New World Order agenda pushing individuals could benefit from doing this. I've been doing this since late 2005. I can tell you I've been doing this almost 20 years. Like openly speaking about it publicly. You know, it started off with federaljack.com posting articles. Google video. Had a separate YouTube account and then Google bought YouTube. Live leak. I remember when Twitter first came about, you know, if you had a Facebook, we had a Facebook account. We even had a MySpace account. That's how long ago we've been doing this. And talking about this kind of stuff and pointing this stuff out. And people were called crazy kooks back then. Fast forward about 15 years and look what you have. You have the current presidential administration openly talking about it. You, you heard Mike telling those congressmen and women, hey, they want to do this in the name of global warming and they want to block sunlight. He was talking about their plans 12 years ago and they were publicly, the news would call you a conspiracy theorist. They'd make fun of you. Fast forward 12 years. Now the mainstream news, are there are different stations. Doesn't matter who it is. It's obviously talking points. It's given to them. The mainstream media and the administration are using the exact same terminology, but speaking as if it's a good thing. So maybe, just maybe, when your friend, who you call the conspiracy theorist, it's a negative label that was created by the CIA back after the Kennedy assassination, but the pejorative of conspiracy theorist, maybe you should go Find your friend who you use that against or you know, throw that out there at or make fun of or secretly snicker at behind their back. And maybe you should call them up and say, hey, you know what? You were right. Because I know a lot of people were told about this and have laughed about it. Oh, you crazy people think they spray things into the sky to control the weather. Yeah, they do. And it's not just to control the weather. There are other effects from it. A lot of this stuff, and not all of it, a, a lot of the the energy weapon part of it and uh, some of the con weather control and stuff like that comes from the man who came up with the idea for HARP, Bernard Eastland, and his patent on HARP 
Look up Nick Begich's book, Angels Don't Play This Harp. There's two documentaries. There's a first and a second part to that. You can probably, I don't know if you can, I, I, I'm not going to say you can probably find it on YouTube because a lot of that stuff has been purged. I mean, look, this stream was purged midstream. We're still on Rumble and stuff, but they purged the stream midstream. So uh, maybe I'll have to, I, I, Rumble's great. My Rumble channel, if you're listening over here, Rabbit Hole Radio over on Rumble. It's got the same red Rabbit Hole Radio logo over there. And follow me over on Rumble, rumble.com. It's like YouTube used to be when it was free and more open. And I live stream on this channel full documentaries. I, I won't give like a, um, a, you know, any monologue or anything. I just live stream the documentary itself. So people can see a lot of these older documentaries that have been censored from YouTube. And I have all of them digitized. So I, I air a lot of these older, hard to find docs. So people can see them for free. I think that's what I'll do with uh, Nick Begich's two films. Angels don't play this harp. And I, the other one is uh, the second one is like, they still don't play this harp or something like that. But it's, uh, it's about harp and energy weapons and direct energy weapons like that. And the capabilities of what they can do with it, whether it's communications or as a weapon or to control the weather or even mind control they did use it in the first Gulf war. They beamed, uh, during when they invaded, uh, when they went in and they took back Kuwait and pushed up into Iraq a little bit in the first Gulf war, the areas where they were, the American soldiers were going to be fighting the Iraqis. The battlefield for days ahead of time was bathed with radio frequencies from harp because they can hit it off the ionosphere and they can bounce it. And they, they bathed the uh, battlefield in radio frequencies uh, that they knew that would affect the human psyche. Uh, and they think that was one of the reasons that the troops were so demoralized. Cause if you go and research the first Gulf war and they had entire units, just they, there were units that fought, but there were entire units that just gave up and surrendered. Uh, now, fast forward to the second Iraq war where we went into Iraq and that wasn't the case. You had units fighting and fighting hard and you had militia fighting and fighting hard. And that was, uh, it was a, a big difference in how they defended themselves. And interestingly enough, they did not bathe a rock or the battlefield with the same radio frequencies. And there's a bazillion questions that we could get into as to why it's a whole side thing. But the point is um, that technology can do multiple things. And Bernard Eastland and his, uh, in his patents, he talked about this. Now Bernard Eastland is now um, he's passed away. Uh, but if you watch Nick Begich's films, I'll, I'll stream them here. The two documentaries about harp for, that Nick Begich put together. And uh, see if Nick is still doing politics. I think he was running in Alaska for a Senate seat. I'll see if I can get him on the broadcast. But um, great documentaries. The technology does exist. And that's why I wanted to air this tonight. And I will air Mike's second film uh, in its entirety. Why 
or uh, yeah, why in the world are they spraying? The first one I just aired was what? So I think you have enough info now uh, based off of what I've given you tonight and shown you to prove that yes, geoengineering is real. The stuff that we've been talking about it is real for, uh, you know, we've been talking about it for 15, 16 years. So uh, it is real. It's going on. Weather modification is a real thing. Research it. Do your research, ladies and gentlemen. Read. It's a lost art. Find books, even if you got to use the, the audiobook formats to do it. Read and research and take in as much information about this as you possibly can. Look up what geoengineering is. It is real. And stay tuned for more broadcasts. If you're over on Rumble or if you're wherever you're listening, go to my Rumble channel. Go to rumble.com. Look up rabbit hole radio. It's all one word. You capitalize the R and rabbit, the H and hole and the R and radio and no spaces. And you'll find my channel and subscribe to me. Anytime I live stream anything, it's always going to rumble. No matter where the de other destinations are, it's always going to rumble. So make sure you check it out. I want to thank you all for tuning in tonight, giving me, two and a half hours of your time. I love you all. And I'll catch you all again live very shortly. I will be uh, for Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve. My show usually airs on Saturdays at 10 p.m. I will be taking off. I'm not going to be broadcasting. I'm going to be spending time with family. But I will be live streaming to the Rumble account exclusively different documentaries and other stuff. Uh, even when I'm off air and not doing my scheduled Saturday night show, 10 p.m. to midnight Eastern Standard Time. Even when I'm not live doing my show on Saturdays, I do stream other stuff to this channel, documentaries and stuff to the Rumble channel. So make sure you tune in over there. Rumble.com, Rabbit Hole Radio. You can follow me over at Twitter, either at Federal Jack, at DT. R H underscore Popeye or at R H R Popeye. Thank you all for tuning in. I love y'all and I will catch y'all again live soon.